Last episode, we talked about racialization. And to me, that's really interconnected to language. Lang- it's really because a part of looking Vietnamese or Asian is that there's an expectation that you can speak your heritage language. Like when someone says, you're a Hong. Oh, your last name's a Nguyen. <laughs> <laughs> How about you describe what heritage language means? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right. I had just saw it on um, my Instagram feed. A heritage language is a minority language that one learns when they are children. So it's not something that's dominant, but they raise learning it through their parents. And it's not never fully developed because of insufficient um, input from their external environment. And when we speak Vietnamese, I feel like it's something that's interwoven in everything that we do. It's kind of subconsciously present. For instance, I remember being on a plane one time and I leaned over to Hương saying, Hương, Meaning, <laughs> and the woman behind us, she stopped us, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she understood what I said." But no. really, <laughs> I thought she was going to offer us her deodorant. So she was a translator, and she was interested in studying and learning if we could tell her how and when we decide to switch between languages because it kind of came out fluently in just the words that were coming out of my mouth. But sometimes I just don't know the word in Vietnamese. And I think that contributes to why we speak a mix of Vietnamese and English with each other. Speaking Vietnamese helps me feel connected to our culture, but also distant from it at times because of moments like that. It's cool, but it can be kind of weird. So let's delve into it today. This is book two, chapter four. Welcome to Growing Up When, a story of four siblings holding on to our identity while fulfilling our parents' dreams. I'm Hung. I'm Karen Hunt. I'm Hedda Hugh. And I'm Ben Huang. These are the blessings and challenges of growing up Moen in America. You know, it's funny that you only substitute one word, Heal, because I feel like I substitute a lot of words. (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking that after I had gotten my driver's license, I basically became Maz Uber to Costco and other grocery stores. (laughs) Hersh, I say? Her thaisae, her chauffeur. Uh, But I realized that every time I drove her, I didn't feel like I knew enough Vietnamese to have a conversation with her in the car. So it was just an awkward, silent car ride to the store. So I decided that, you know, she's my mother and I know that she prefers Vietnamese, so I should try as hard as I can to speak in Viet as much as I can. So I started by making little comments, little jokes here and there, trying to build my confidence in Viet. And then I expanded to trying to talk about my day or talking about how school's going, let her know things about my life, and then start asking her questions. So that's kind of how I practiced doing dialogue in Viet. Just come conversing with Matt. 
tell me why you started with telling her jokes before you actually just told her about your day. <laughs> <laughs> I I learned it from Bo. <laughs> you know what I got from Bo? These cheeks. <laughs> 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 but back back to the you know the language um being a heritage language it's what you said we don't have enough input for us to really develop the language and it's just what you get like through Huang's conversations with Maya. I guess Vietnamese is always our side piece. But I I think it's um I think it's just more like, yeah, whether you speak Vietnamese or you don't, if you look Vietnamese, the language just like, just feels like this double-edged sword that for anyone. Hmm. I think to speak about Vietnamese as a heritage language, we also, just to give everyone background on the insufficient input part that Hoon was talking about earlier, we the three of us sisters had Vietnamese school on Saturdays from nine to one or 2 PM. And Huang, you had it. From eight 30 to not 10. Enough <laughs> <laughs> incomparable. <laughs> but this is in comparison also to five days a week, English school, eight hours a day. And, but and we do speak it at home with our parents with Maya and but you know still it's kind of hard to switch gears because even at Vietnamese school we would speak English to other Vietnamese students like during break during class and so it's difficult to bridge just the two yeah and as another I was thinking about um just like a cool fact that my friend always tells me and I want to share it with all of you is that um, those are those kids who grew up in bilingual households. They have more neural connections developed in young adulthood, which helps speed up their processing. So this means that you can rely on your brain to complete your. So you say you get one task and your brain has two ways or maybe multiple ways to kind of complete the task. For this one like one assignment which I think it's pretty fascinating and it's really cool I think it's thanks for reassuring me that I'm smart (laughs) 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 but I think you know even what you what you said it just reminds me of Bo like Bo when Bo left Vietnam to go to Germany as a student he had to learn German and that I mean it's hard let's say German is a hard language to learn but language and the German language specifically was a tool for survival. It helped him build connections with people, help him do well in school, be able to get a job. And then later on, when he went to the United States to meet with a family, he had to learn English. And then later on in life, he had coworkers that were Spanish speakers and that was the next language he learned. But, but do you think because he had already like kind of learned Vietnamese and German, you know, I mean, it's fairly young, 19 years of age that, you know, building on English and Spanish also just became easier or maybe it was just like a tool of necessity, a part of survival. I don't know. Um, but overall, I think, I don't know, y'all, y'all can let me know if you agree, but the Vietnamese language 
was is something that Bowl highly valued and language in general is so important to Bowl that we I view it that way. I mean, do you all agree? <laughs> It's like so important. I, I, mean, I took language throughout school. I did um, Vietnamese, I mean, in elementary school. And then in college, I decided to take um, Vietnamese classes too. I mean, I knew Vietnamese, but I was like, there were three things that were going on for me. I had a Spanish teacher in high school that was really good about laying out the Spanish grammar. And that helped me kind of give me like a baseline of structure to, to learn the language. And so I thought, oh, I should take a Vietnamese class to do that. Another part is when you go to school, like, it comes back to that insufficient input. I was list, I was hearing lectures in English. I was communicating with my friends in English. I had to, and I, so I felt like I need to take a Vietnamese class in order to maintain some language because I knew that I was losing vocabulary and I was unable to communicate with my parents very well. And, and I thought the other part is maybe I could become a Vietnamese translator. I'll tell you now, the third part didn't happen. <laughs> Are you but the kidding? other okay. <laughs> that happens for you to, you're you to me at, at the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But it's not like good translation. I meant like professional translating. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> But if you think about it, we kind of grew up translating all our lives, or I don't know if you did. I feel like I did for like my man or aunts, coaches in some capacity. Maybe I just did that. I think it was just <laughs> you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I used to think that being able to speak multiple languages was like a superpower. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah because. I think in line with just what you were saying, because I really think Wo learned all of these languages out of necessity. And when the time came, you know, the only way that you can communicate is through language. And that's something that brought him a lot of opportunity too. And so when it came to just seeing how mole functioned in the world, that was something that was really inspiring to me. So I always think about when mole would go to work and I'd just be in the van waiting for him, just sitting in the car in the middle row, facing the window and just kicking my feet around while he's running about. The windows were down, so it was fine. Okay, good, good, good. I had, to, I wanted to make sure of that. But I would just speak gibberish to myself. And I was like, maybe I'm speaking a language that other people don't know. And I'm actually really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and did you speak with anyone ever no so we'll never find out if i actually know a you know a specific language but i think that just speaks to how mole really impacted the way that we view language or at least the way i view language because it's something that i really value and i like practicing my vietnamese the only thing is that when it comes to vietnamese i feel like it's in between of being good and also being not good enough at the same time. I think of when I was working for a study in Sacramento and I had to do a pretest and a post-test questionnaire in Vietnamese. When I came to do the pretest, the dad who was there, he was telling me that my Vietnamese was really good. And usually I don't feel like, I, I don't know. I don't know what my Vietnamese level is. Some people tell me it's good. Some people don't tell me it, that it's very great. And I feel like I speak enough 
to speak within the household. Sometimes when I'm out in public, it doesn't feel the same. Because I think also the when we practice with our parents that we pick up certain ways of saying things that are not the way everybody else maybe in Vietnam <laughs> said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for definitely. sure. And so just coming back to the study, right? He was telling me that it was really great. And so I felt really good about myself. Five months later, when I came back to do the post-test, same questions as the pre-test, same exact questions over five months. And he told me that my Vietnamese, it was, I needed to improve, that I needed to do better. It was not very good. Kids my age, just like his daughter, don't participate in Vietnamese culture. We don't go to church in Vietnamese. We eat burritos and eat American food instead of eating Vietnamese food. That sounds very familiar. (laughs) I feel like I've heard it before. (laughs) Our own parents, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why they think I like burritos. I like tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you tell them. You tell them. No, no. But. Yeah, you do. That's not what I was saying, but about. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true fact. My point is that there is some kind of conception that I'm not Vietnamese enough because I don't speak the language well enough or I don't do enough quote unquote Vietnamese things. And I think that's part of the reason why I feel like Vietnamese helps me feel connected to my culture but also distant from it at the same time because at times I can be good and then other times I'm just not good enough. For sure. I think that story kind of in that lesson or that, you know, perfectly sums out a lot of moments um, in my life. And I know you did the Vietnamese caregiver study. Was that part of your major or is that just, were were you interested in doing something with Vietnamese language? I mean, you actually did the translations part that I went to to (laughs) class for, but I didn't do. (laughs) I think it's probably similar to like what you were saying before, just like valuing Vietnamese. And I felt like using my Vietnamese, which is minority language to help the Vietnamese community. We are studying dementia in Vietnamese in the Vietnamese population and in caregivers, I felt like I was contributing to like the Vietnamese community in that way. And, you know, to get that kind of feedback, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out what to make of that because, you know, you feel like you're doing something good. You know, there's a lot of health disparities in the Vietnamese American population, but at the same time, you're not accepted by the people that, you know, you feel like are also Vietnamese and Vietnamese American and you're, it feels like you're not accepted in that community. I'm trying to think about my ways of participating with the Vietnamese language and Hugh and Hoang, the question will come to you. So you can, y'all can think about your answers and, you know, you just kind of take what I asked you to myself. I, I was trying to think if taking the Vietnamese class, I mean, I didn't use the Vietnamese per se, because I think like you said, um, 
when you're with your peers, you end up speaking English. And I think that was how I felt with my classmates. So even we have classmates that were learning Vietnamese together and they were in VSA. I think one of the reasons I didn't join VSA is the fact that I would probably lean into speaking English and that's not what I wanted to do. Um, but yet I felt a sense of awkwardness speaking Vietnamese to my peers. And I, I don't know what that is. Maybe because we all know that we're at a certain level and maybe that our household Vietnamese is different and our heritage language would then have a different shape just individually among all of us. Mm. But I will say that I'm, it's it was really cool that UC Berkeley does have a Vietnamese class because um, I know y'all UCs don't have that. So um, I was very fortunate to have that experience and learn Vietnamese. I think a lot of it helped the language stick better with me. I'm trying to think if I remember much of the vocabulary, but that's another story. Um, so let's go to the question over you. I mean, um, what were there, were you, did you guys do things to help you maintain Vietnamese language while you were in college or high school? If you want to go even go that way. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough. I joined VSA for that reason. <laughs> I just thought that it was a group of people that would be speaking Vietglish. Vietnamese Vietglish, and English. Okay. So, I, you know, the okay. combination. And at least, you know, if we're on the same fluency level, then I would feel comfortable with that and try and, but I, I definitely feel you on like feeling uncomfortable. I think definitely at first I started just speaking English because it was like, this is, English is easier and we all speak it. Why not just, why, why make it complicated and speak Vietnamese? But then I had to, you know, I had to change it up. I had to say, why not just speak Vietnamese? We know the language. We know the words. Why not just speak it and use it? We have it in our brains. So that's kind of actually what happened at VSA. And then everyone, and I feel like VSA has become a community for me to feel comfortable being Vietnamese American and the fact that I speak Vietglish, that combination where I might have to substitute words sometimes because I just can't remember it in the other language. I mean, for myself, as I'm thinking about your question, I I don't think up to until now that I found my connection to language important. And through Duolingo, hashtag not sponsored. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to learn my Vietnamese um, more than what, and I find that it's been kind of like a struggle on one hand because there's like, I was like, wow, I tried to test out of level one, but I couldn't test out of it. And then, um, but there's also like an ease that comes with it too, because since I have this hearing fluency that is able to get me through a lot of the lesson, I feel like, cause I, I hear it so much at home and I know like parts of like different words and then, um, can understand it using contextual clues. And then what I keep telling myself is language is a skill to practice. And lately it's been feeling like riding a bike. Like I, I know this, I know this, like I've, I've done this before. And I think just the exposure mixed with like the potential is like, what I'm trying to like merge together for myself is that as long as I keep getting exposed to the Vietnamese language and I also keep build, working on building my potential to kind of master, do better at this language, I think that it's going to be, it's going to be good. Exposure and potential. Yeah. I actually I like wanted it. to add on to that, Han, because 
I think it goes back to heritage language, right? Where it's a language that it's a language that we grew up with, but there's not enough uh, input into it. If you, you think about it, a lot of our Viet right now is based on what we hear in our daily lives, especially conversing with Maya, but maybe even things that we hear in the church or, uh, I don't know, watching some V dramas. I don't know if any of us do, but it's just... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but that exposure kind of helps us, but it doesn't give us the maybe the grammatical tools to always say the correct things. I will say though, he'll, um, I've heard Maya say that our Viet got better after going to Vietnam. Oh, when did you hear that? Um, <laughs> it was something I happened to hear while walking down the hallway. She was on the phone. <laughs> it still counts. Uh, yeah, no, I hear a lot of compliments through the door too. It's never directed at us, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> what you can in this household. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense. We were exposed to an environment where Vietnamese is the dominant language. People were had grown up speaking Vietnamese while over here we had grown up speaking mostly English since, you know, we go to school five days a week speaking English. So having that exposure where we had to mainly use Vietnamese to communicate our ideas or even co like talk to people that I feel like pushed us to use Viet and try even harder to communicate. That's something I learned about in my linguistics class too, that really immersion is the best way to pick up a language because you're constantly hearing that input and you're basically forced to produce output. But I think that's just such an important piece of communication too, that you're just always hearing it and you have to be able to speak it and practice it. And so I feel like that comes back to what Hatton was saying about exposure and potential. I know that Hugh and Huang ha had the jump start in Vietnam. I had a, well, I don't have, I didn't, no, you know, I don't have a Vietnam jump start, but I was the first born. And so I had more of a jump start. She's <laughs> always going to hold that out of her head. She's the first born. You studied Vietnamese in college. <laughs> For like one, I'm trying to think one semester. Right, one first born, first born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking I, I didn't have that jump start either, but, um, what, as we're talking about language, something that occurred to me was, um, when I was taking art classes, I had a art professor who told me that art itself is a language. And I know earlier this season, I, I said I was working on a collection that was exploring my Vietnamese American identity. Um, and it just so happened as I was showing these sketches draft sketches to our local pastor, Cha Deung, I found that he could find the words um, that I didn't have. And it, this through like the Vietnamese word for what this action was doing on this page, um, or even like the sense, I feel like he had the sensation of, he's like, oh, this, this feels like Vietnam to me. And with that, I found a connection to my Vietnamese, like, ancestral heritage. Um, and while I, I might not have the entirety of like my family history figured out or this kind of duality of Vietnamese American-ness figured out, I do feel that art is where I'm proficient in conveying and expressing this Vietnamese American self of mine. 
I mean, I think we all see it, Hen, in your art. It's just so beautiful. Because, you know, a picture says a thousand words. a thousand words. words. (laughs) (laughs) But on the same note as art, as an expression of... Uh-huh. Uh, an expression of Vietnamese American self. I think that music actually helps me connect to being Vietnamese American. All music those, notes? Uh, 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 <laughs> all, those, <laughs> all the songs that I do for that, I feel like each year it gets easier because I start understanding that the different intonations of Vietnamese go along with the music notes. So typically the if the word has a yo sac, then the note will go up. And by fo- if I keep following that pattern, it's easier for me to get the words correctly as I'm singing it. And I think that's also the same with prayer because when we pray, it is also very musical. And it's very easy, or when, I mean, once you've done it, like, you know, over the course of 100 days, you, you know, <laughs> you know days when... Plus. <laughs> 100 days plus. You know, you start to memorize where the words kind of go up and where it goes down, and that gives you different, I guess, landmarks while you're saying the prayer. Oh, that's it. That's it. The good point. And I always look at Huang's moving lips to like figure out what's next because he, I think he knows it better than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking about what you said about music and it made me think of the VSA. I presume all the VSAs at your campuses did Avanya during that, during the new year, right? Um, I, I don't know. Okay. I just, I UC, Berkeley, okay. <laughs> UC Berkeley, there definitely was one <laughs> every year. And it's always like a major production. I remember before I even started at UC Berkeley, other graduates had told me about how this was like super major and all the Vietnamese students participate in it. It's very grand. Ticket school gets sold out to the, the community to come and watch the show. Um, I'm trying to think if I ever went. <laughs> to be determined what's more important i wanted to kind of bring the why the reason i bring this up is because i had spoken with an older adult who had said that the shows have changed when they were doing it and say what 90s in the 1990s these were children of immigrants in college and so the story was very a little more traditional so the production was yeah you know, it's very traditional vietnamese and over time it's changed it's kind of woven in a little bit more Vietnamese American, maybe American music. I believe Hwang even mentioned the VSA at UCSC did a dance to with Chance the Rapper song. Yeah. Is that VSA right? VSA Modern. VSA Modern. Very modern. <laughs> <laughs> so we talk about the Vietnamese language being a double-edged sword. I think there's also another analogy that the Vietnamese language can be a thread where it weaves in both sides of the stories. We have the stories of the immigrants, um, whether it's our parents, whether it's the students that, you know, came to go to go to Berkeley and, you know, have lived are you know, living here, came as refugees and are now living here. And the stories of immigrant children, it's like us living here and telling the story of our Vietnamese American identity. There's this language can be a tool, it can help us weave the stories. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I love the way that you're describing it. Cause the imagery that I'm getting is just 
um, our parents and then our like both sides of our family, really like our parents, our grandparents and us coming together to weave this like community blanket of like stories and like just tapestry. That's like so rich in um, <laughs> um, just really rich in like color in um, and depth and just, yeah, it's, it feels in my mind, it feels really beautiful. I think a takeaway from this episode is that Vietnamese American should be something that we need to define for ourselves instead of having other people tell us how we should act and how we should be. We create the expectation for ourselves so that we are more comfortable in our identities and we feel more connected to the community. Oh, for sure. Mm, for yeah, sure. And- and then with that, I think um, we don't need to come back for book three. No. We just feel the secret. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't give the definition. I just, I just said it. It's still an ongoing journey, Hen. We're not there yet. Ongoing. <laughs> okay, okay. Or we can sign out now and just call it good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the story we've talking about is has been a lot about a loss and grief. And it started with Mole. Mole's passing and inspired us and pushed us to tell, continue to tell his story so that we don't, we wouldn't ever forget them. And along the way, we've started to delve a little bit deeper into this Vietnamese American identity for each and every one of us, I think. And it's because this growing up win is so centered around us. It's, I would think it makes the most sense to continue to get a circle around that family history, which I've talked about doing and get some more stories about Vietnamese Americans, whether it's from our cousins or from our aunts and uncles or golden Jews, because I mean, they're practically Vietnamese Americans having lived in here for 30 plus years now. Um, so thank you to, to our listeners. We kept the short season short and sweet mostly because we've had a very busy year. Yes. <laughs> but we are gearing up to do, what we've been we've been wanting to do, you know, to talk to more of our family and get more of the stories so that we can weave in the thread and weave in that Vietnamese American identity story, but also our own family history. Cause I think that it's just another perspective. And even within the family, I think there's so many different stories, different pathways that, that were taken. So, you know, I would say and encourage our listeners to do the same thing, to reach out to your families and what, new things can you learn about your family history that Mm -hmm. you didn't know before maybe you can flex the language muscle in the process (laughs) (laughs) so all right with that let's sign out and we'll see everyone else again in 2022 with a new book 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 thrust book bye (laughs) (laughs) nice Cheers to the end of book two. High five, y'all. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Growing Up Nguyen. We'd love to hear what you think about our episode today. So please reach out to us through our website at www.growingupnguyen.com or follow us on Instagram at growing.up.nguyen. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. We're Hương, Han, Hyo, and Huang, and this is Growing Up Nguyen.